Welcome to This Week in Church History. We're grateful you joined us for a wide-ranging conversation about events in the history of the church. Here are our hosts, Dr. Michael McMullen and John Mark Yates. God never wrought miracles to convince the atheist because his ordinary works will convince him. So wrote Roger Bacon, the famed 13th century scientist, philosopher, and Franciscan monk who died on June 11, 1292. This is a great opportunity for us to talk about someone who isn't a theologian, <laughs> who isn't a missionary. And I'm here with uh, Michael McMullen, my co-host. We're going to talk about somebody who's a philosopher and a scientist, but who still deeply loved the things of God. Well, he still had things to say about theology and how it should be done and and by whom, really. So He, he did have quite a few opinions about quite a lot of he things. He was a strongly opinionated person, and, <laughs> and I think that's uh, one of the reasons why we remember Roger Bacon, that uh, he, he wasn't slow in sharing them. No, he was not. And, and that kind of got him into trouble, I think. Just a little bit. And uh, this is one of the reasons why in uh, the modern era, we still look back to an individual like Roger Bacon uh, for quite a lot, uh, not only in the scientific realm, but also in uh, other realms. So uh, as a Franciscan, uh, maybe, maybe, uh, and we'll have to get back to why we keep saying maybe, uh, he, he also is someone who is uh, somewhat in the Aristotelian tradition, maybe. Um, there's some debate there. Well, he was. I don't think he liked it. Yeah, I, he, 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 he kept bringing in more uh, of, of an Augustinian uh, Neoplatonic framework and trying to bring uh, symmetry between that and uh, the newly de developed uh, Aristotelian frameworks uh, that he came into contact with when he was in Paris teaching with Albert Magnus. But um, wh why? Let's let's just give the overview mm. again. Why should we care about Bacon? I, I feel like we're kind of hopping here a little too deep, too quickly. Yes. But uh, why should we care about Bacon? Well, we're talking of the 13th century. I think Bacon um, lives in an incredible time. Um, and and is an example of the fact that, um, you know, because we have one church which dominates for, say, a thousand years from the end of the early church to, say, the Renaissance or right. Renaissance or however you say it, um, <laughs> that because we maybe don't agree with, with what that church became, that uh, we don't dismiss everything that took place in Christian history during right. that thousand years. Clearly, God was still at work. And, and um, I believe that God was at work through people like Roger Bacon. Now, um, he challenges the thinking of the time. He uh, wants to move away from what he sees as uh, meaningless or unproductive. Um, scholastic debate. Right. He wants to get back to uh, the languages, the text of Scripture, um, and and this is a long time, um, really, before uh, biblical humanism. Uh, right. The, the move to try and get back to these things. So Bacon, for me, predates what what is going to happen in later individuals. Mm -hmm. um, and and I think for that reason he's important. He he wants to 
have scripture at the center of study in the university. So theology will be based on scripture, not scholastic debate. Correct. Uh, the professors will be required to learn the languages, especially Greek, which has not been taking place. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've been relying on uh, traditions and uh, misinterpretations and translations, and, and Bacon sees that as you know, fraught with error and wants a great deal to, to change that way too. Um, he, he's an enigma. Um, he's been called so many things. Uh, uh, Britain's first scientist, right. which I thought was really good. Uh, but he, he's also seen as like an alchemist or a conjurer or a magician or mm-hmm. something. And yet I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that he made enemies. Yes. He was very critical. And, and what better than accusing your enemy in the 13th century of being, uh, being involved in witchcraft and, and magic? Uh, did somebody say Inquisition, for right. example? <laughs> no um, one expects the Spanish Inquisition. No. And, and uh, I think they did at that point, or at least an aspect of the Inquisition. Um, we, we don't know uh, a number of things about his life. So mm. there are a lot of maybes, but we do remember him uh, as one who really did try to uh, bring Scripture back into a central place in, in these newly created, uh, very important developing European universities, right. including Oxford. Including uh, Oxford, Paris. University of Paris, yeah. Um, and, th- and that's where he spends so much time, at least initially in his young career, is, is really interacting with some of, some of the leading thinkers at the University of Paris, like Albert Magnus, who is bringing forth the, really the corpus of Aristotle, uh, bringing it back from actually uh, uh, translating it back to Latin so that people can read it again, uh, and uh, taking it from Arabic and, and bringing it uh, forward. But as as he's doing this, as he's learning, as he's as he's lecturing, he's also falling in love with experimental science, uh, meaning how do we prove things by executing a well done experiment? And there's some questions over whether or not he was the one who actually conducted the experiments or whether he just had people do them for him. And then he documented uh, what those experiments he, he did. He delegated. And that, and, that, and that might be good since uh, one of the things that he writes uh, about that was that was really the first European to write about gunpowder. So that might be smarter to let someone else uh, experiment with that while you uh, observe from a yeah, distance. <laughs> I mean, um, you know, Bacon is important because uh, scientific method, um, which, which he is certainly at the forefront of, uh, becomes important. So you don't argue now from, you know, some hypothesis and try and prove that, but you look at ideas and then through experimentation, try to prove whether they are true or not. So mm-hmm. it's a very different approach to discovering what truth is um, from what's been done before. That's correct. And so this is interesting to me as well as we bring it back to kind of somewhat of a theological framework is that Bacon still believed that no matter what you would find in the realm of science, 
it still would always validate and and collaborate with scripture. It, it, there was there was no means for science to ever step away from the truth of scripture. So there's always a connection for him between uh, between the two. So as he's doing these experiments, uh, he's he, he the gun gunpowder is a really big one that uh, he's known for. Uh, overall, but also for uh, curving glass and bending light, he was the one of the first ones to uh, really invent spectacles, which I'm quite grateful for, as I've got them on yeah, my me face. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, contact lenses, I believe, as well, is something he worked on from the idea of a lens. Right. I mean, this is centuries before Isaac Newton, and and yet here is Bacon proving that light can be disassembled through a lens and then you see it reassembled through another lens that it's break, broken up into its constituent parts. It was an incredible, you know, observation of what science was and, and proof to Bacon that, you know, this is God's handiwork. There is yeah. evidence here, clear evidence of a creator. Which, again, he it would boggle his mind to think of anyone divorcing science from what God is doing. It's just, it's, it's part of worship. Yes, yeah, science is our understanding or our kind of trying to observe facts and proof of God at work. So that as he's writing, this is what he's, he's after. Uh, he also, you know, would talk, I think it's kind of fun, about uh, how plausible it would be to create a machine with wings whereby humans could fly or carriages without horses that and, would and again, would go. You know, again, this is well before Da Vinci. Yeah, well you know, before Da Vinci. We think of Da Vinci with flying machines and submarines and ships with engines, but here's Roger Bacon um, with these things before and, and not really getting the credit, I don't think. And I think that's part of the thing about Bacon, that he's been... Um, uh, successfully marginalized um, or, or removed uh, to a great degree from uh, the history of science, mm. the, the history of development, experimentation, because he really did make enemies who, who managed to persuade a, a lot of people that um, it, it, it wasn't true science. Right. Um, and it wasn't just science he was after, too. It was also philosophy, and he was bringing about compendiums of knowledge. So we, we sometimes will think about, and, and I've had some people are, you know, argue that we get the idea of, um, uh, of an encyclopedia, a compendium of knowledge, really only in the modern era, really only once we get to the Enlightenment. And yet Bacon sets out to do this with the realm of philosophy, with the realm of theology, to try to systematize and create this compendium uh, that would allow uh, students to be able to have broader knowledge of general topics and put it together. Now, he started them and never finished them. He never, uh, none of them ever were completed. But at the same time, he, he's trying to think about how do we systematize uh, even knowledge so that we can put it together in a way to benefit subsequent generations. Yeah, in a similar way, maybe an, an encyclopedia would be compiled or created mm -hmm. or something. Um, a, a, again, a long time before people have tried such a thing. 
uh, he clearly was um, a, an innovative thinker. Um, he he wanted to uh, challenge and revolutionize current thinking um, about science, uh, about theology, about how uh, things were taught and understood, and and how debates and arguments took place. During his days in Paris, he made some very powerful connections. Uh, one of those connections ended up becoming Pope, Pope Clement. And uh, Clement shielded Bacon from a lot of his detractors. And uh, he actually had asked uh, Bacon to, to lay out for him all the things that he was thinking about. And uh, Bacon sets out to do that. And so he writes three different volumes, uh, his Opus Magnus, his, his major work, um, his uh, lesser work, and his third work. He puts them all together, sends them with some lenses and some other kinds of things off to the Pope, uh, who supposedly reads them with delight and uh, enjoys this. Uh, but the process in which he was asked to put all of this down, he was already uh, back at his... Um, at, at his uh, Franciscan house, uh, and to the chagrin of the people who were there, uh, he's writing all of these things down, and he wouldn't share with anyone what he's writing. Uh, and he said, the Pope swore me to secrecy. I can't tell you. I can't tell you. And so <laughs> keep them from ever seeing what was going on. They're convinced he's writing abject heresy. Uh, they're yeah, convinced it's not he's... alchemy or something. <laughs> exactly. Uh, they accused him of being in league with the devil. Yes, absolutely. And so he's keeping all these secrets. He's keeping all these other kinds of things. And so he's being marginalized as soon as Clement dies. He's in serious trouble because his protector is gone. And uh, there's a debate uh, whether or not he was imprisoned or at least under house arrest for two and I think you mentioned you you have uh, a historian who said 10 years. Yeah, because there's a period, I think uh, 1279, uh, 1289, something like this, where uh, there is no output publicly from him. So the belief is, uh, or, or the conjecture may be, that he is in, in, in a state of being imprisoned and, and not allowed to, to publish or disseminate his ideas. And it's not, and this is where it's helpful to be clear, it's not necessarily for heretical teaching or other kinds of things. It's basically because he had just rubbed a bunch of people the yeah, wrong way. <laughs> he, he, made any, he is criticizing uh, the way things are done, and the way things are done are done by the leading thinkers and teachers of his day, and he's directly uh, undermining uh, what they're doing and who they are ultimately. Right. And, and they're have power, um, and they use that power against him. So when our listeners think through someone like Bacon, how, how should they think about him? How should they, what should they, should they walk away with today, thinking about this medievalist who created problems, wrote voluminously, um, uh, some say up to a million words in a year, just it, it, ridiculous amounts of writing. Uh, how, are we, how are we supposed to think about Bacon? Well, he's a man of his time, and yet a man well ahead of his time. He, he recognizes that um, he has incredible gifts um, and, and tries to use them in, in the service of um, Christ and the church mm. and, and challenges um, systems and philosophies in his day 
that sought to undermine scripture or keep it secondary so so that the debates of men and and their works uh, were in primary position and so bacon really wants to invert that order uh, where scripture and theology and biblical languages uh, become of central importance that's an incredible development in the 13th century yeah and as you mentioned at the top of our our podcast that actually opens the door for what becomes this humanism, this biblical humanism that lights the Reformation on fire. Yeah, and and what is a seminary if it's not keeping Scripture central, believing what God has says, uh, you know, wanting to get to uh, put in Scripture as you know the central part of what you're doing, and and you know having biblical languages as a central thing too, so that uh, you can understand, you know, in, an, in a, an incredible way, what it is that God has said to us. Mm. What, a, what a great word. I, I'm going to close our time here with uh, uh, actually reading from Bacon's Tombstone, which is found in Oxford, oh. if you'd like to go and uh, see that for yourself. Um, and, and this is what's what's carved uh, there. It says, The great philosopher Roger Bacon, known as the Wonderful Doctor, who by the experimental method extended marvelously the realm of science. After a long life of untiring activity near this place in the home of his Franciscan brethren, he fell asleep in Christ. That's a great epitaph. I hope that's said of uh, me as well. Well, listener, thank you so much for joining us this week on This Week in Church History. We'll see you next time.